always stay connected with 99.9% reliable Sky Broadband. Search Sky Broadband to get started. I am not allowed to say what's going to happen today because everyone's just going to have to watch for themselves. It's hard to forget the events of January the 6th, 2021. Yeah, just for awareness, be advised, there's probably about 300 uh, Proud Boys. They're marching eastbound. That was the day supporters of Donald Trump, encouraged by the president himself, stormed the US Capitol. Because you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be strong. What exactly happened that day? And why it happened has been the subject of a 10-month investigation by a select House committee of the US Congress. Now, their findings are being laid bare in six public hearings, which are being broadcast on primetime television across America. The world is watching what we do here. So tonight, and over the next few weeks, we're going to remind you of the reality of what happened that day. Irish Times Washington correspondent Martin Wall has been following the story. The committee is looking at what happened at the riot. That's one element of it. But the other piece is the backdrop. Was the riot and the ransacking of the Capitol a standalone event or was it a culmination of an overall plot that had been in the planning for several weeks beforehand? They were peaceful people. These were great people. The crowd was unbelievable. And I mentioned the word love. The love... The love in the air, I've never seen anything like it. I'm Connor Pope and this is In the News from the Irish Times. Today, Trump's big lie and the truth coming out of Washington. Martin Wall is the Irish Times Washington correspondent and you've been following the opening days of this committee hearings quite closely. So what were the standout moments in the first couple of days for you? Well, we've had two separate sessions of hearings at this point. The first part was the allegations that this was essentially a slow-moving coup. The allegations being made by this committee after a year, essentially, of of preparatory work, a 1,000 people being interviewed, 125,000 documents. They've come to the conclusion that there was, in essence, a seven-point plan for Trump to maintain his position in power, even though he had lost the election. And the riot on Capitol Hill on the 6th of January was the final part of that seven-point plan. The other part, obviously, last, last Thursday night when it came out at the, the, the first day's hearing was one of the shocking images of the day where when Trump supporters erected a gallows outside the grounds of the Capitol and went trawling the halls of the Capitol shouting, hang Mike Pence and looking for Pence, the vice president. And Trump would appear, according to some evidence, to have agreed or certainly acquiesced with the idea that Pence should be hanged. So his vice Mm. president should be murdered. And we will get further evidence on that probably next week or the week after. We also heard a lot from people who would have been considered pretty close to Donald Trump, or at least they were close to him during his presidency. What have they been saying? Well, I think uh, when we get to Monday's testimony, a succession of people within Trump world, people who were had access to the president on the day, including the former Attorney General, Bill Barr, who basically suggesting that they were telling Trump, you you didn't win. There's no evidence of fraud. 
or certainly no evidence of sufficient level of fraud that will change the result. I told him that the stuff that his people were shoveling out to the public were bull, was bullshit. I mean, that the claims of fraud were bullshit. And, uh, you know, he was indignant about that. And that Trump wouldn't believe them, didn't listen to them. And Bill Barr said that basically when we got to the stage where Rudy Giuliani became involved and what, you know, they, they called the clown car of other lawyers and with allegations that Giuliani turned up drunk and was up, there was all kinds of, you know, he had the issue of the Dominion machines, which are the machines that they actually vote on, and allegations that they were um, being manipulated by Hugo Chavez from Venezuela, who unfortunately was dead several years at this point. I specifically raised the Dominion voting machines, which I found to be among the most uh, disturbing allegations, disturbing in the sense that I saw absolutely zero basis for the allegations but they were made in such a sensational way that they obviously were influencing a lot of people, uh, members of the public, that there was this systemic corruption in the system and that their votes didn't count and that these machines controlled by somebody else were actually determining it, which was complete nonsense. And it was being laid out there. And I told them that it was that it was uh, crazy stuff and they were wasting their time on that. And Barr said that he presented, Trump was waving around a report that was given to him and said, oh, Dominion were manipulated, the machines were manipulated that allowed people, votes for Trump to be switched essentially to votes for Biden electronically. Mm. And he said, there's no evidence of that. And Barr gave evidence today, well, if you believe this, he basically is becoming detached from reality. Now, this is supposed to be a bipartisan committee, but there are very few Republicans on it. In fact, there's only two Republicans on it, I think. Uh, Liz Cheney is one of them, famously a daughter of Dick Cheney, but very vocal in her criticism of Donald Trump. Is it significant that the opening part of these hearings has largely focused on the words of those closest to Donald Trump? It is certainly not a coincidence. This is the way it's absolutely been designed. There is no point in people who were Democrats, who are well-known critics of Trump and in their DNA and critics of Republicans in their DNA, to be going after criticizing Trump. So the aim was to get people in the Trump orbit, people who the, the average Trump voter, the Trump base member, would recognize these names. You know, his daughter, Ivanka Trump, Jared Kushner, who gave evidence. The aim is to produce essentially a show, and it is a show, that will try to persuade the average Trump supporter in Heartland America that, no, what Trump is telling you is not true. Listen to his own people. Don't listen to us. Listen to his own people and what they're actually saying. That is the purpose of it. That's the whole objective behind it, is to get Trump world to speak to the Trump base and try to persuade them that what Trump senior has been telling them is untrue. And just going back to Liz Cheney for a second, Martin, as we said, she's the daughter of Dick Cheney. And of course, he was the US vice president under George W. Bush. But Liz Cheney is also a well-known Republican in her own right. And she's been incredibly vocal in her criticism of Donald Trump and his part in the January the 6th riots. In fact, she delivered some pretty damning opening remarks when this hearing started. What did she say? On the morning of January 6th, President Donald Trump's intention was to remain President of the United States, 
Well, basically, she said this was a coup, that what Trump had tried to do was a coup, and that there was, again, there were seven parts to it. Over multiple months, Donald Trump oversaw and coordinated a sophisticated seven-part plan to overturn the presidential election and prevent the transfer of presidential power. In our hearings, you will see evidence of each element of this plan. Liz Cheney is is an interesting figure in her own right. As you say, daughter of Dick Cheney, Republican Party, pre-Trump Republican Party royalty in in many ways, Mm. would have been a bete noir of the left in America before all this. She would have been seen as a hawk, as a foreign policy hawk, a quite right wing. But she drew the line, as did her father, in terms of the Constitution. In America, president on on election swears an oath not to the country or to the people or anything else. He or she swears an oath to uphold the Constitution. And they believe that what Trump was doing was trying to trample on the Constitution. And there she drew the line at that point. Tonight... I say this to my Republican colleagues who are defending the indefensible. There will come a day when Donald Trump is gone, but your dishonor will remain. I ask all of our fellow... She was um, the number three in the ranking order of the hierarchy in the Republican Party in, in um, the House of Representatives. Because of her criticism of Trump, she was ejected. She's now fighting for re-election in um, her state, her home state of Wyoming. And Trump, needless to say, is on a kind of a revenge tour. She's going to face a very, very difficult battle in terms of holding on to her uh, seat in Congress. Uh, So she's put a lot on the line for this. A little earlier, Martin, you used the word show in relation to these hearings. And I think that's interesting because the first day of these hearings was shown on primetime television in America. Was that significant? And how widely viewed were those opening salvos? There were 20 million people watched it. It doesn't seem a lot, to be perfectly honest. You know, there's 300 million people live, 330 million people live in this country. It's obviously less than the biggest TV event here, probably the Super Bowl. But in terms of the TV companies seem to be quite happy that this is a big number. But it is a show. And I'll give you another example. On Monday, it ended with them saying, we'll give you a teaser of what will happen next week. Essentially, they ended with a cliffhanger. The committee have hired retired TV executives who know how to run shows, essentially. Make no bones about this. This is a TV production for an an audience, a particular audience. On Monday, there was a lot of evidence about the money. And as as, as many listeners will remember, during the Watergate scandal in the 70s, one of the key phrases that emerged from that was follow the money. So what did the committee hearings tell us about the money that was involved in in the Trump campaign in the post-election period? In the week after the election, Trump went out and started literally from three, four o'clock in the morning on the night of the election count and started suggesting that it was rigged. There was fraud. Parallel with this argument of fraud and stop the steal, etc., etc., was a fundraising campaign. Up to 25 emails per day were being sent. If you think about it, one an hour, more than one an hour, were being sent to what they call here small dollar donors. People who probably don't have a lot of money in the first place were being asked to contribute to an election legal fund 
to stop what they called a mob of left-wingers, a left-wing mob who were trying to undermine American election integrity. Within a week, this uh, fund, this campaign, this fundraising campaign had generated $100 million. It ultimately generated $250 million. And what happened on Monday was that the two aides to Donald, former Trump campaign aides, gave evidence by video that there was no such thing as an election defence fund. Okay, so where did the money go? The, the majority of the $250 million was transferred to what was called, they're known as political action committees, the PAC. They're basically vehicles for spending on elections or spending or whatever, wherever you wish. And the committee alleged that of that money, a million dollars went to the charity, the personal charity of Trump's chief of staff. More money went to an entity which wasn't really gone into called the Trump Hotel Collection. More money went to an organization that employed former Trump staffers. And $5 million went to a company that organized the rally on January 6th that Trump spoke at that preceded the riot at the Capitol. And the allegation basically was, was that the big lie, as they call it, about the election fraud was accompanied by the big ripoff. Mm. And the message seemed to be given, as I say, we were talking a few moments ago or a few minutes ago in relation to what the motivation of all these uh, hearings are. And the first part we were saying was to, to tell in the words of people in Trump world to the Trump base that you're not being told the truth. The second part of this is, is to tell the Trump base, well, not only were you being lied to, but you were being swindled at the same time. Never suffer the buffer again. Always stay connected with 99.9% reliable Sky Broadband. Whether you're streaming on the sofa, gaming in the bedroom, or swiping in the bathroom. I said swiping. You'll never be without it. Switch your home to 99.9% reliable Sky Broadband. Availability subject to location requires Sky Broadband Ultrafast. For more info, see sky.ie forward slash speeds. 99.9% reliability based on time our broadband network works across our base. It's early days in the the hearings, Martin, but have you been able to get a sense of what the public mood is like and what the reaction has been from the wider American public to the revelations in the hearings so far? I haven't seen any, as of yet, any polling in relation to what people thought of it. But there was a fascinating poll on the day of, on Thursday, on the day that the, the hearings actually started, which showed that the number of people who personally blamed Trump for the riots at the Capitol on January 6th is actually falling. You know, after all we've been through in terms of COVID, the riots, the threats to democracy, allegations about money, whatever else, that Trump's popularity would appear to be increasing. That's extraordinary. And I I guess it makes the next answer kind of obvious. How has the GOP responded to the revelations coming out of the committee hearings? I think the broader Republican Party would prefer not to talk about it at all. They believe they have a winning formula already. Inflation, highest in 41 years. Price of fuel or gas, as they call it here. The average price of a gallon of fuel has reached $5. Now, for Irish people, that would consider to be, you know... (laughs) It's a bargain, Martin. (laughs) <laughs> it might be something the price watch might look at in terms of the difference in um, in in fuel, in fuel prices, but here it's a huge big deal, a really really big deal. 
And they, the Republican Party believe that they're on the they're on the verge of winning back control of Congress on the basis of economics, and they don't really want to get involved in Trump. But on the other hand, their Trump obviously himself doesn't consider himself to be a distraction; he considers himself to be the main person. So Trump maintained that um, he, he was very angry that they used footage of his daughter Ivanka in her evidence to the committee. She basically said, or in the clip that was used of her evidence, she basically said she supported Bill Barr when he claimed that there was this was all nonsense, that the election fraud was all nonsense. How did that affect your perspective about the election when Attorney General Barr made that statement? It affected my perspective. Um, I respect Attorney General Barr, um, so I accepted what he said was saying he was quite annoyed at that how he responds after monday to the parade of trump internal associates essentially saying that he was you know delusional essentially we'll have to wait and see but the other part is that his allies maintain or argue that oh well why aren't you having hearings into antifa why aren't we having our arguments into black lives matter when there was riots after george lloyd etc etc so there's different responses to it. One part to dismiss it, the other part to attack it. I suppose one of the big, big questions that remains unanswered is what about Donald Trump's future? Do we know yet, Martin, whether he's planning to run again in 2024? The issue would be Trump hasn't formally said what he's going to do in terms of his future plans. There are midterm elections here in November, which the Republicans look likely at this point to sweep the board, that they're going to trounce the Democrats. Joe Biden's party will be defeated very heavily. I would suspect that the last thing the Republicans want is the idea of Trump coming onto the pitch now to give his critics and the anti-Trump vote a boost. He might, but all, all the indications are is that Trump wants to run again. Now, yeah. we have to bear in mind as well, Trump will be 78 by the time the election. Still younger than Joe Biden. Well, Joe Biden will be in his early 80s, you know, by the time the next election comes around. And the other part of where this will go to, and, you know, goes again, we talk about the motivation about the Trump base and the, why we're having this. The other audience of this is the U.S. Department of Justice. Because there is a possibility that the U.S. Department of Justice may maintain that, OK, we've got to all this stage of all this evidence, what Trump was up to and what he was doing and whatever. Did he commit a crime? And if he committed a crime, he could be prosecuted. And if he's prosecuted, well, then that and successfully prosecuted, then that would take him off the pitch, obviously, as a candidate in next in 2024. And there are other people on the Republican Party who have obvious ambitions to run. And it's a question of whether they would be prepared to stand up to Trump, take mm-hmm. on Trump in primaries, or are they hoping that Trump falls by the wayside in some form or other uh, over the next uh, two years? And then they will come onto the pitch. But as of now, there's absolutely no question, Connor, that Trump is by far the most popular person in the Republican Party. Um, there's estimates that 70% of Republican voters or Republican supporters do not consider Joe Biden to be the legitimate president. You know, we knew from the 1930s and 40s that, you know, the old phrase about the bigger the lie, the more people you get to mm. believe it, you know. So if you repeat something often enough and you've got an echo chamber in conservative media, which you have here, like, you know, the Fox News conservative radio that gets reinforced How long is the hearing set to last and at this stage do we have any sense of what the outcome might be like what would the consequences of the hearings be Okay in terms of consequences we have to bear in mind these are political 
process. This is a political process. This committee can't do anything other than try to persuade the public and Trump supporters or whatever else. What the message is, is that this man cannot be trusted to hold power ever again. That's what the message that they're actually setting out there. But there's a, that's a political process. There's no criminal element to it. They've no powers of prosecution. So what they're also hoping, I imagine, is that the US Department of Justice and the US Attorney General Merrick Garland, who is looking at this, obviously, but the Department of Justice has been carrying out its own investigations. You know, the FBI has been carrying out their own investigations on this for months and months and months. There are over 800 people charged, some prosecuted, some awaiting prosecution for the events of January the 6th. The individual who people remember of carrying, who carried the Confederate flag through the halls of Congress is being prosecuted this week in Washington, D.C. The hearing only started on Monday. But whether Trump would join them as a being prosecuted, it's a very, very big step to go down the road of prosecuting a former president and potentially a future candidate. The issue will be is, will they... Will the Department of Justice do that? But the, as I say, the, mo- the two messages, I think, from this committee hearing is to the Trump base that this guy can't be trusted again. And he's telling you lies and he's ripping you off and he can't be trusted with the levers of power ever again. And then to the Department of Justice to suggest, well, maybe you should get a move on and start prosecuting this guy. Martin Wall, thank you very much for talking to us. That's it for today. This episode of In the News was produced by Jennifer Ryan, Suzanne Brennan and Aideen Finnegan. We'll be back on Friday.